Hi there, welcome. This is the Going Up, Going Down podcast. I'm Ali Maxwell and I'm joined by George Ellick. Now, this is now episode seven of a series called EFL Completed. The idea behind this series was to talk to players who have experienced pretty much everything that English football has to offer and have played in, at the very least, the top four tiers of English football. If you're new to this series, well, welcome. You've got six more episodes to catch up on on this feed, so do go and find out what Conor Harahan has to say or Dean Windass has to say, Simeon Jackson, Rob Earnshaw, Dave Edwards, Michael Kitely, they're all there. In fact, all podcasts by The Athletic are free, uh, but they are available ad-free if you're a subscriber to The Athletic site. So if you haven't signed up to The Athletic and you'd like to give it a, a go, well, you can get a 30-day free trial, a month trial, if you head to theathletic.co.uk forward slash EFL pod, that's EFL P.O.D. George, talk to me about what we've got lined up this week. Well, yeah, as you said, this series is all about those players who have lived the footballing dream of rising up through the English Football League. So it's remarkable that we haven't yet interviewed a player from that famous Blackpool side who lived the ultimate fairy tale when winning promotion to the Premier League under Ian Holloway in 2010. Until now. A striker whose career started at non-league Northwich Victoria and finished having scored against Chelsea, Man City, Manchester United, Liverpool and Arsenal. He also won promotion to the Premier League twice and scored in a victorious playoff final. Welcome to EFL Completed, Gary Taylor-Fletcher. How are you doing, Gary? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, boys. How's everyone else? All good. Thank you, mate. We are doing just fine. We started playing senior football having been let go by Liverpool with Northwich Victoria uh, in non-league, in the conference as a semi-pro. I'd be interested to know, to start us off, what was your mindset at that time that you were first playing for Northwich Victoria? By which I mean, did you have a clear focus and ambition to pursue a career as a professional footballer at that stage? I remember one of my friends who, who was in, in this college team, um, he was at Northwich Youth and he'd been asking me for ages to come down and play, but uh, obviously being a young young lad, I was just enjoying going playing with the men and going out afterwards. Um, and I just said to him, listen, I, you know, I've been told I need to play at a higher level, can I come down and, and, and have a trial sort of thing? So he spoke to the manager. Um, I went to the training on the Thursday and then on the Sunday I played a game I think I scored four uh, went to training on the Tuesday um, literally called straight into the first team to go and train with them uh, we had a game on the Wednesday for the under 18s um, it was I scored four and the first team manager was watching and then on the Thursday in training he told me I was starting for the first team at the weekend so it was literally a a week of whirlwind from going playing pub football sort of dog and duck to starting in the that back that back then it was the Vauxhall Conference, um, but obviously with the the bringing our dad the last year of the last eighteen months of playing against these island men getting kicked in there and everywhere and fill, filling out my body when when I was younger I was really really small skinny and rapid and it was only when I was like fifteen or sixteen that I actually filled out and and grew. Um, so, you know, all that experience of playing against these older men stood me in good stead and they couldn't believe, obviously, for someone like me to go straight into men's football, the, the sort of kickstart that I did have. Your first professional contract uh, came when you moved from Northwich to Leighton Orient. And I mean, for what looks like it was a pretty sizable fee at the time uh, in, in 2001, but also for a young player uh, at that time. And just on the face of it, it it looks like quite a frustrating few years. Um, it was a bit of a it was a bit of a funny time because obviously a, a big move going into full time moving from Liverpool down to London uh, with my my wife now um, when we were we were nineteen. But one of the main things was about two months after I signed the manager who signed me, he um, got sacked and he appointed the under 18s manager Paul Brush. For some reason, he'd, he'd always been frosty with me anyway around the training ground and things like that. And I remember on his first day, he called me in. He, he said, you will not play for this football club while I'm manager. And I was like, well, why? You know, what have I done to you? 
And he said, I can't believe this football club paid £100,000 for you when I've got better under-18s that I've produced in this in this squad. Um, you know, you you will not play. So I was like, you know, just left home two, two months into a three-year contract for being told that basically you're never going to play for the club. Um, it was a bit of a strange situation and obviously went on a few loans. I, I come back and... I was always playing well, but I think that just rocked me confidence. I didn't have the, the final bit of confidence that sort of flourished under Keith Alexander at Northwich and at Lincoln, but at Leighton Orient, there was just there was just like a, a whenever I went into training, it was like a negative feeling in me in myself of they don't want me here, you know, why am I going into training or why am I doing this? It was at the end of the second year we get called in for your end of season meetings and stuff and I just said to him, listen, enough's enough now. I said, I want to make a career. I'm playing in reserve games. I'm scoring a load of goals in the reserve games. I'm playing better than these lads that you so-called think are better than me. But you're not giving me any chances. You know, in training, they used to, they used to, used to say to me, why can you handle yourself so much better than these, than, than these lads, yet these are technically better than you? And I was like, well, they're not technically better than me, but I've played men's football, I know how to use my body, I've been kicked there than everywhere, they haven't. That's one of the main reasons why I can adapt and play. So we, we called it a little bit of a truce. The following pre-season, I was absolute flying, thinking, right, I'm going to get a chance now, I'm going to play. Absolute flying. I'd been a striker, central striker all my life, but I was playing right wing, really scored, I think I scored about 10 goals through pre-season and the, the club had actually signed Gary Alexander that summer, but he'd been injured all, all pre-season. He hadn't trained and everything. And I remember on the Tuesday, we'd done team shape and I was starting um, for the first game of the season. And then on the Friday, the physio declared Gary Alexander fit, but he hadn't trained or anything. And I thought, oh, he's, you know, I'm still going to play. He's going to be sub or something. And I remember on the Saturday, when he read the team sheet out, I was on the bench and Gary was starting. So... I just, I, I, my head had gone. I went in, um, told him that I didn't want to be on the bench and that's it, I'm done, I want to leave. He sent me up to Barry Hearn upstairs, you know, you know, he, he, go go and speak to him. I'm not happy with that, you, you know, you should be here playing. And I think at that time I was just like, I'd had enough. So I went up and spoke to Barry and Barry was like, well, what do you want to do? I said, well, you know, he, he told me this, this is what's happened and, he, he, he was very understanding, Baz, because he, we had a sort of bit of a good relationship because he, he he could see that I had the potential but just wasn't getting given the chance. And he said, well, if you can find something, then, you know, that's fine. You know, you know if Paul doesn't want you around the club, if you're unhappy, there's no point staying. So that night I got home, spoke to one of my old teammates, Mark Bailey at Lincoln, and he said, right, I'll ring Keith, see if he's interested and... Literally about 10 minutes later, Keith was on the phone, pack your bags, you know, I'll, I'll take you. It was only about two years ago when I seen him um, last that we were chatting and he, his words to me was, I can't believe um, we sold you. I said, Barry, you paid me off and let me go on a free. You, pay, <laughs> you, you actually gave me money to leave the club and he, he couldn't believe it. But, um, you know, we had, a, we had a good laugh and stuff, but that, that's football, that was what it was at the time. Well, I mean, your spell at Lincoln was clearly more successful. You had two seasons at the club. You scored 31 league goals over the two seasons. You won the Supporters Player of the Year award in that first 2003-2004 season. Uh, you mentioned Keith Alexander, Keith Alexander, who was your manager at Northwich Victoria uh, and then took you to Lincoln as well. And of course, the late Keith Alexander. And there'll be a few, another generation of fans maybe listening to this who don't know much about him. Uh, it's hard to find anyone in football with a bad word to say about a guy who was clearly so popular with all his players and had a big impact on your career as well. Yeah, it was unbelievable. As I say, the, the negativity of going into Leighton Orient and training stuff was just totally... As soon as sort of I'd signed that contract and that first day of training with him, it, it was just like a breath of fresh air. Just, I just felt at home. Obviously, I, he knew what I was about, I knew what he was about, but... It was obviously different when I was at Northwich. It was part-time at Lincoln. It was full-time professional football in League Two. And um, the, one, the one thing that stood out for me was the first, I think it was the first three or four games, I played every game, played every minute, but I didn't score. But I knew I was playing well. 
I remember on the the Monday after the fourth, I think it was the fourth game, he's called me in and he's like, you you know, you've not been scoring, but you've been playing well. But you know, if if you were at Leighton Orient now, what what do you think would happen? And I just said, well, probably after two games, I'm not scoring. I wouldn't I, I wouldn't have played the next two games and stuff. And you know, you're saying what would happen now? Probably I'd be getting told to go out on loan. And his words were, listen, get them thoughts right out your head now. For me, what you've done, you've been our best player. You've set up four goals. You might not have known it, but I've looked back. You've set up four goals. Keep doing what you're doing and the goals will come. Um, he said, for me, you do that every week. You'll be the first name on the team sheet. And literally, I went on and I think I scored five in the next five. Um, it just seemed to, that was it. That was the, the little bit of encouragement, the the little bit of experience that he'd given me and stuff and, and the belief just seemed to kick on. And as you say, um, formed a formidable partnership with Simon Yeo, I think, between us over the, that season and the season after. I think it was something like 70 goals between us. Um, you know, so it really kicked on. And as I said, it, it was just the, the way he handled it, the the belief he had in me from what I'd done at Norwich. He knew I could take it on and, you know, that he's probably the, the most influential person I've ever had throughout the whole of my career. And that first season, you scored 19 goals in all competitions, but it ended in heartbreak with a playoff semi-final defeat against Huddersfield. Uh, you scored in the first leg, uh, but ended up losing despite being ahead just half an hour to go in the second leg. And then the second season saw you losing in a playoff final as well. So both seasons ending in heartbreak. And at this stage, you know, you're still a, a young striker. You're still kind of making your way, I guess, in your career. What lasting impact did it have for you to have two campaigns, two successful campaigns personally and for the club, but both ending in heartbreak? I think it was just the fact that it was something Keith said at the end of the second season. He said, you know, he said, if you believe in yourself, you are good enough to go on, go on to whatever level you want. He said, you could go right to the very top. He said, if you had the belief in yourself. He said, what you've done over these last two years here, has shown that you're good enough, if not too good for this division. He said, so when you take the next step to the next division, make sure you show the same dedication, make sure you can play at that level and then excel yourself and then move up again. And that, that was one of the main things that stuck into my head of, right, well, each each time I go in to take that next step, make sure that I go in with the belief and confidence, right, I'm good enough to play at this level and then want to be better and that was what I did and as you can see in my career every two years after that the first season I had a really good season the second season was even better and then I got a move into the higher division the, the, one of the, the main things was he, he actually released me from my contract at the end of the second season he didn't offer me a new contract because he said he, he knew full well I'd sign it straight away just to carry on playing for him but he did wouldn't offer me that as well they didn't at the time. No, they thought I'd been tapped up and everything but um, really? I, didn't, I didn't have a clue um, he, we we'd obviously we we got beaten the the semi final um, on the Monday um, we had our talks and I I was ready to sign whatever whatever was offered for me um, you know I wanted to stay me me and my wife we'd been married we were loving it Lincoln what a lovely place to live and and stuff but he actually said no I'm not going to offer you anything because um, I, I know you'd sign whatever I offered you now he said but. I know for your sake, you need to go and take the next step and show that you can do that again. So um, he released me from his contract and it was only two days later that um, it was uh, Peter Jackson at Huddersfield and Gary Johnson down at Yeovil. Um, they were both commentating on the playoff final and uh, <laughs> both of them came in, um, offered me exactly the same deal. Um, it, was, it was identical of what they offered me. Um, but obviously Huddersfield being closer to home, that was the one I picked. As you mentioned, you had two seasons at Huddersfield before moving on again and both ended in, you know, with mid-table finishes in what is now and is League One. Uh, but there was one highlight, I assume, from your time at Huddersfield, scoring at Stamford Bridge against Chelsea in an FA Cup game. At the time, it was an equaliser, even though you ended up going on to lose the game 2-1. I shown that day that you know what? I'm actually quite, <laughs> I'm better than I thought. I've I've played against these players and and stood out a little bit. So it gave me that an extra bit of belief again to show that right. I'm doing it at League One level. Can I get to the next one? 
Gary, your next club was Blackpool. The end of my second season at Huddersfield, I'd just I'd signed a new contract six months before, so I still had two years left. But at the end of that of my second season at Huddersfield, um, Andy Ritchie had been appointed manager. I think I'd scored fifteen goals, and I remember obviously our meeting at the end of the season. Um, he's actually told me that I wouldn't be a first choice, um, and the the board have told him that if he wants any funds or anything that he needs to sell some players. So his words to me were, "You're not really going to play." If I can, I'd like to sell you because I need to bring some money in and you're one of the only players who I think I could probably get some money for. I was adamant that, you know, I've got two years left. You know, I've just scored 15 goals. How, how dare you, you know, say that I'm not going to be, you know, one of the main players and, and things like that. So I was adamant that I weren't going anywhere. And it was only, it was at my, one of my friend's uh, weddings, his stepdad was a coach at Liverpool, the Liverpool Academy, and I was just chatting to him. He was like, oh, I'm speaking to someone about you, a manager um, on my A licence. Uh, he said, uh, Simon Grayson at Blackpool, he said he, was, he tried to sign you towards the end of last season on loan, but the, the club wouldn't let you, so he ended up taking um, Chris Brandon. He, he was raving about you. So I was like, well, when are you going to see him next? He said, well, on, on, uh, on Saturday. I was like, well, tell him I've just been told I can leave. So anyway, Saturday comes, just not not thinking about it. Get a phone call from from my friend's stepdad saying, listen, he wants you. He's going to speak to Blackpool and, and, you know, he's going to make an offer tomorrow. So I was like, right, okay. Anyway, on the, the, the Monday, I was on a um, Huddersfield Town golf day. Um, and I was only purred with Andy Ritchie. <laughs> It was me, Andy Ritchie, and two players. And I was like, oh, God, you know, how, how am I going to handle this? Um, so, obviously, driving around with Andy Ritchie, started chatting and stuff, and he was like, you know, have you thought any more about what we said? And in the back of my mind, I thought, right, how can I play this? And I said, to, I just started saying, you know, me and my wife have been talking, you know, yeah, we would like to move in if there was any clubs closer to home. <laughs> or or anything like that, you know, or in the anywhere, higher division. Anywhere close to the sea with well-known tourist yeah. attractions, <laughs> yeah. maybe some uh, playground, maybe some fairground rides. Yeah, it was like, you know, if I can get a championship club, because Blackpool had just been promoted, if I can get a championship club a little bit closer to home, um, you know, I, I think about it. If I'm going to leave, I need to take that step into the next level. Otherwise, I might as well stay at Huddersfield. So anyway... Driving around, about half an hour later, his phone goes, he disappears. Um, we're playing and stuff, and he, he's come over and he's like, right, um, listen, we've just had, had a, an offer for you. He was like, I'm like, all right, okay. He said, yeah, from a championship club. Like, right, okay. Pretty much close, a little bit closer to home. Um, you know, would you be interested? I was like, well, it depends who it is. Um and he was like, Blackpool. He said, they've offered you, they've offered, made an offer, but, you know, we want more money, um, you know, double what the what they've offered. Um, so, you know, as long as they go to that, you can go. So I was like, right, yeah, if, you know, I'll go and speak to them. It was a bit of a drawn-out negotiations because Blackpool wouldn't go as high as Huddersfield were asking and, and things like that. And in the end, I had to go into Andy and speak to him and say, listen, you've told me you want me to go. You're not, I'm not going to play me. Why you're umming and ahhing and now, you know, don't ruin my chance of moving like you want me to. You know, it's everything that I've asked for, what I wanted, and your user stepping in the way. And in the end, Huddersfield backed down, they, they agreed and, and let me go and speak to Blackpool. And um, that was it. There was, there was no other club. I didn't even look for, didn't even get my agent to ring round or something. I was, I was happy with that move. It was someone who I knew the way he'd spoke about me and the way I'd spoke to him that I was going to go there and, and play again. So that was the that was the next step of going into the championship and, and being a regular in the team. The one thing was I'd started off really well as well. I think I'd scored something like five goals. I was playing every game before I got injured. I was probably the, the main man before I got injured. Um, and it was seen to be right. He's injured. Forget about everything that had happened in the past or what he'd done. And you know these players are ahead of him. So um, I had a lone move lined up, um, and I, uh, I think on the Friday I was meant to go on loan, but we didn't get all the. They didn't agree with Blackpool in time, so we left it. 
And on the Saturday, four of the strikers, four of the attacking players all got injured for Blackpool. Um, and they had Middlesbrough away on the Tuesday. Um, so basically gone into training on the Sunday, ready to, to go out on loan. And basically he said, listen, you can't go. You can't go yet. You, you know, you, you're going to be in the squad on, on Tuesday. Um, he said, you're probably going to have to start. He said it all depends on on what's happening with these these players and stuff. So at that time, Middlesbrough were flying. I think they were top of the league. You know, we were going down to the Riverside to play them. We had a injury depleted squad, um, and I remember he said to me, "He said, listen, you're going to have to play up front, but you're going to have to play up front on your own." He said, "We've got no other attacking players. We've got we we've got little Barry Bannon, um, who was a centre mid. He's going to have to play on one wing." Um, he said, he said, if Brett's fit enough, he can play on one wing, but we might only get half a game out of him. Um, and you just be the, the central striker, stay up front. And, you know, we know you've only trained for two weeks, three weeks. Um, so your fitness isn't going to be there, but you're just going to have to do as good as you can. And I was like, right, okay, no problem. I said, but, you know, promise me that when all these are back fit, back fit and stuff, you know, I can go on low. And he said, yeah, you'll be able to go out. You, you can go on Friday. You can go on Thursday, Friday. So, I was like, right, okay. So, I thought, right, I'm just going to use it for 90 minutes of fitness. If, if I can last 90 minutes, great, um, and then move on. So, anyway, after, I think it was 25 minutes, we were 2-0 up and I'd scored the two goals. Um, couldn't, obviously, couldn't believe it. We we were like, what's going on here? You know, we've come to Middlesbrough, the top of the league, little Blackpool. We ended up winning the game 3-0. Um, it's funny, look, I've so, actually got the game up here. First goal assisted by Barry Bannon, second yeah. goal assisted by Charlie Adam, third goal scored by Charlie Adam. I mean, Middlesbrough might have been favourites of that day, but boy, did you have some players in that team. Yeah, we, we did. We had a, what a team we had that season. Uh, and then, as I say, after the, the game on the bus on the way home, I remember saying to Holloway, you know, you can, I can still go on loan, you know, this doesn't change anything. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, 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 no problem. So... Anyway, we had the Wednesday off, went in on the Thursday um, and he was like, listen, he said, you're going nowhere. He said, you're going to play every game, you're going nowhere. He said, I've looked back at the games before you got injured, I've looked back on that game, he said, and he said, you're going nowhere, you're playing every game. And then after that, that was it. Then I stayed in the team for the majority of the rest of the season. And yeah, you know, that, that squad we had, it was a lot of, lot of players with a similar background of who had risen from the, from I I've risen through the leagues from the lower leagues like we had Alex Baptiste who was I think we, we paid five thousand pounds from at Mansfield from the conference you know we had players like that Ian Everett who did start at Derby in the Premier League but he got released and told he wasn't good enough so he went down to Chesterfield in League Two and and worked his way back up with Blackpool and stuff so we had a lot of players who had the things to prove. And that was one of the main things of the spirit of that squad, the, the togetherness and the never-say-die attitude to keep going. I want to just rewind a little bit to when Ian Holloway takes charge of Blackpool. Now, you've had two seasons at the club at that point, both in the championship, safe from relegation, but bottom half finishes. Uh, what was your first impression uh, of Ian Holloway when he arrives in the summer of 2009? Were you positive about his management style, about what you knew about him and what his first impression was or did it take a bit of time to get used to? So when he come in, one of the first things was he was like, I like people who can be versatile. I like people who can play in a lot of positions because, you know, I'm going to be changing tactics. I'm going to play uh, a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-1-2-3. And, you know, he, he put a, a picture of the board of like two different formations and he said to everyone, right, in red pen, write any position that you can play then it's your natural position. In blue pen, write any positions you have played before that wasn't your natural position, but you've played, you know, out of position and your thingy. And then in black pen, write any positions that you think you could play if needed. So I just sat there and basically I covered every position by left back and goalkeeper. <laughs> I put all of the four attacking ones in red, I could play any of them. I put the two midfielders in, um, I think, what was, what was it, blue. And then I put right back or centre back in black that I could play there if, if need be. Because all I thought was he's going on about versatile players and stuff. And I just put that I'll play anywhere, you know. And in that, in my head, then was like, right, well, 
listen, if he want, that's what he wants, then I'm going to be playing because that's, that's me all over. I can play right, I can play left, I can play centre mid, I can play up front. We've got to fast forward to the day and actually watching the highlights earlier uh, in a period where we haven't had any football to watch. Uh, it was genuinely quite emotional seeing a, a sun-drenched Wembley, uh, a sea of Tangerine fans and, and Cardiff as well, as you took on Cardiff in the playoff final. H- having finished the season really strongly and, and sort of punched your way into the playoffs uh, and got past Forest in the playoff semi-finals. Now, I'm just interested to hear your, your take on the game because, I mean, the first half was absolute chaos. You were 1-0 down to a brilliant Chopra finish and Charlie Adam who was insane that season scored 18 goals puts in a worldy free kick and then you go 2-1 down uh, and then there's a space of what was it about 60 seconds where you hit the post from the edge of the box and then you score the equaliser uh, with Ormerod scoring the winner just talk me through your memories from from that day because it's a it's a hell of a game to watch back I tell you yeah I think one of the main things that day was obviously when we got into the playoffs, we, we were always just outside. It was only the second to last game of the season that we actually got into the playoffs. We were always seventh or eighth, just outside, and we never managed to get in the uh, second to last game. We got in and we stayed in, obviously, the Forest game. we Obviously, they've been on it 10 years since it all happened, and as a group of lads, we were watching it, and we had the Zoom and the, and the WhatsApp groups going, and it's 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 funny when you you remember obviously we won that we won the forest away, but watching it back, we didn't realise how much we dominated Notts Forest. You know they they, they we, when we went there they hadn't conceded a goal for something like ten games. Um, the possession stats were something like eighty percent or seventy percent in their favour. Watching that game back, we absolutely dominated them, and it was like we were the home team, we were the big team. Now when we went into the Cardiff game. Everyone was writing us off, you know. There was a few saying, you, know, you can't underestimate this Blackpool team, you know, the spirit they've got, the players they've got, you know, never said die attitude, you can't underestimate them. But everyone was writing us off that Cardiff were going to come dominate and, you know, we'd, we'd be the team that was defending all the time. Now, watching that game back again, yeah, Cardiff started off brightly, but once we conceded that first goal, they didn't have a kick in that second half except scoring the second goal. We absolutely passed the ball about. We were patient. But when we had the chances, we were ruthless. As you say, Charlie, great free kick. You know, in them positions, you wouldn't want anyone else on the ball. And we had a good bit of play. I've chested it down and I've just thought, right, I'm going to hit one, hit one. And the, the unfortunate thing was, it was just curling away from goal. The keeper's got a little fingertip to it, hit the post. And I thought, oh, you know, that's my chance gone. And one of the main things I remember about my goal was normally, obviously with Charlie with his left foot, he would be on every set piece. But for some reason, because Vaughn, he was, he's, he's the one I'd done the one-two one, with, he stayed out there and he took it. And Charlie obviously didn't have any position to take. Normally Vaughn would be on the edge of the box. He's just ran in and challenged and caused chaos. Um, obviously we hadn't played for it, but he ran in, challenged the keeper, the keeper's fumbled it. DJ's hooked it back in. Keeper saved it again. Evo, chest, sidewind the volley. Great technique. They've saved it on the line. And I just remember the ball just popping up. And in the first leg of the semi-final, I took quite a, a big elbow to the face and had a, a sort of one and a half, two inch cut right across my face, just below my eye. And I just remember the ball popping up and I thought, that's mine. No matter what, my head's getting on that. And I've just seen the boots starting to rise, the the players going for it, and literally I've just thought, no, I'm going for it. Got my head on the ball, put the ball in the back of the net, but then ended up with a cut nose and mouth where they caught me in the face with the boot. But at that time, I didn't know. I didn't feel it. I'd scored, scored the equaliser, running off. And it's only when the adrenaline stopped and I've looked and I just had blood coming out my lip and, and my chest and, and, you know, scratches everywhere that I was thinking, ah, what happened then? In a championship playoff final, you're doing what, what it takes to get that ball in the back of the net. So that promotion was sealed, obviously, in, in dramatic fashion. And then you got off to a brilliant start in the Premier League, scoring Blackpool's first goal back at that level in a 4-0 away win at Wigan. I mean, given what you'd come from the early setbacks in your career from when you were a teenager through to 
this, you know, the situation in Orient. What was it like to suddenly have that realisation that you're a Premier League footballer? I'd been at that level, you know, at Liverpool, but I'd been told I wasn't good enough and never going to be good enough. You know, 12 years of rejections, working hard and building myself back up, it all came to fruition. And one of the main things of that after that was the, the negativity of the press. You know, I remember the day after there was... Um, in one of the papers, there was a list of all our little pictures and what we'd done in our career. And then the, the headline was fl- uh, flop or flop or flop. And under everyone's, it just had flop. You know, really? it, we, had, yeah, we hadn't even kicked the ball. There was, there was one of the commentators on TalkSport said we wouldn't, we wouldn't even get a corner, let alone three points. And <laughs> we, we were going to be the, the worst team in Premier League history. Um, so the only good thing would be that fans would have a good away trip um, down at Blackpool. So obviously, as a team, we 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 knew we we were gonna be it was gonna be tough. Um, we were under no doubt about that. But we had a little bit of a burning desire to say, well, do you know what? We're gonna show you. You know, we're gonna stick it where the sun doesn't shine and prove that we are good enough. And that Wigan game, the one thing about it was it was meant to be a home game. But with the Blackpool ground and stuff, we had to play, we had to change the fixtures and play it away, um, and that was probably a bit of a blessing because it took the pressure of having fifteen, sixteen thousand fans there. It, as Blackpool fans, there was only three thousand, but it took the pressure of well, it's an away game. But you know, we're not expected to win many away games. But the one thing we beat Wigan the previous season in the in the, um, in the I think it was the Coca Cola Cup. Whatever it was called back then, we beat them four one in that game, and we we put out a sort of similar. I wouldn't say reserves because that was a little bit of thingy, but the majority of the players didn't play who played in that semi in their final, um, yeah. and we beat them four one, and they'd had their full team out. So we we had a feeling that you know what we we could do something here. One of the main things was we only had twelve players until the Thursday before the game because obviously Blackpool at that time the chairman was a penny pincher wouldn't pay players over the summer um, so they wouldn't sign anyone and <laughs> I say on, on the Monday and Tuesday we had 12 players signed and we were thinking you know are we going to are we going to have a bench let alone you know a first 11 and on the Thursday you come to train and then there was another seven players there the likes of uh, Marlon Herwood uh, Chris Basham you know these players Elliot Grandin um, they come in and you know, we had literally two days to train together and it was basically right, we need to show these, the, the 12 lads that were still there, we need to show these what's expected of them and, you know, get them up to scratch. So literally for, I think we've done triple sessions, not necessarily all on the pitch, but there was like one, like, so I was showing Marlon and Elliot and me and Brett was saying, listen, this is how we, this is what we do, this is what we expect. Um, when I'm in here, you make that run. We do. and and it was it was a way Holloway wanted us to sort of take a bit of responsibility as well as his coaching, and that was one of the good things I think with the group that Holloway inherited. It was a team that finished seventeenth and stayed up by one point. He took that exact team, gave us a way of playing, a bit of self belief and a bit of responsibility, and turned us into a promotion winning team. So. To go to Wigan, as you say, first game of the Premier League season, and at the end of it, we're top of the league for an hour, winning four <laughs> 0 You know, I scored the first goal. Um, had another one, which was perfectly. I wish VAR was there back then because I would have scored the first two goals for Blackpool in the Premier League. But um, to get the win, you know, unbelievable. It was an unbelievable campaign for Blackpool that ultimately ended in relegation on final day. But you mentioned that the media um, maybe weren't too supportive of you early on, but you certainly won plaudits for your style of play, for the attacking nature of Ian Holloway's side. And you personally really uh, came up trumps in, against the better sides in the division. You scored a goal against an absolutely ridiculous Manchester City side. You scored against Arsenal. Uh, you scored a goal against your boyhood club, Liverpool, uh, in doing the double over them as well. And what could have been one of the most important goals, not only in Blackpool's history, but also in attempts to survive in the Premier League. You put Blackpool 2-1 up at Old Trafford with just half an hour to go, needing a victory in order to stay up, but ended up losing that game 4-2. I mean, despite it ending in tears, 
what a campaign for you and you must look back on it with such fond memories yeah you know, you know we went down with 39 points we won 10 games um, the one thing was a little bit of neg- uh, naivety from um, the board at Christmas I think we had 21 points after I think it was 17 games and um, come January transfer window our keeper had got injured and they were like well we're safe we don't really need to spend any money um, you know we, I think we were some like ninth in the league you know they they were like we, yeah we're, we're safe we're not going down and they wouldn't just go out and spend that little bit extra just to make sure and just after Christmas obviously I'd say the, the goalkeeper got injured so we were down to our second choice keeper um, we had a few injuries and the squad was depleted at that time and we were struggling as a squad. We went on a run, I think it was something like nine nine games without a, a win or a point. Um, you know, and we we got dragged right into it. And it was only when Holloway actually went back to the team. It, I think the, the, the last four or five games of the season, he went back to basically the team plus Jason Punchin that got promoted, um, that, that played it. Obviously, uh, Neil Eardley was in for... Um, Seamus Coleman but he'd been there the season before but other than that he went to the trusted three midfield from the year before Charlie Adam Keith Southern um, and David Vaughan he had myself DJ and Punch up front and then the back the back four was either Baptiste or Erdley and then Evo Craney Jilks in goal that was the main thing when Jilks got back and we actually gave it a real go we, we managed to get to uh, the 30 39 points but when you look at that last game of the season, it's Man United away. You know, you're thinking, right, we need to be safe by before that game if we want any chance of, of staying up. But yeah, I scored the goal. I think it was the 73rd minute I scored. I think it was only 17 minutes left of what I can remember. Cracking finish uh, as well. Yeah, that was one where I'm glad VAR weren't because someone showed me showed me an angle <laughs> and I was slightly just offside. But, um, you know, the score the goal. One of the main things was it was Man United's... Uh, they were getting given the trophy that day. They they were absolutely made up. But all through that game, I remember I, I was against Paul Scholes, and um, he kept he kept asking the, the the dugout, you know, what's the score, and they kept saying they're safe, they're safe. And I think a lot of the Man United, like I know, yeah, I've spoken to him since, and he said a lot of them Man United players wanted were, were were sort of if a draw was enough, they wanted us to draw with them. And he said the one the worst thing he's done was probably getting the second goal because it made Ferguson angry because obviously they were getting the trophy. They didn't want to lose the last game of the season. And it sort of gave them a little bit of a kick up, kick up the backside that, you know what, the manager, you know what Ferguson's like. He went, I scored, we, we went two on up and all of a sudden they started to up the game a little bit. And, you know, unfortunately we lost 4-2, but, you know, what a day, what what a season you know, for what I'd been through to go and show that I was good enough to to play at that level, um, and and not just good enough to play at that level. I, I think I could have played at that level the year after and maybe for another two, but you know things didn't work out that way, and you know I stayed at Blackpool for probably a bit longer than I should have done. Well, just a final word on Blackpool because a lot of people, myself included, until about four o'clock this afternoon, uh, remember that the Blackpool fairy tale ended with that season, but that that wasn't the case. The next year, again, against the odds, Ian Holloway led Blackpool into the playoffs and into a playoff final as well, where they came unstuck against a West Ham team full of stars. You played in the playoff semi-finals and missed the final through injury. How difficult was it to have to watch that game from the stands? Oh, it was, it was, it was horrible. Um, you know, I got, I got injured on the Thursday before the game in training. That was the thing. It wasn't even in the game. It was in training. Um, literally the the last kick of training before we were getting on the bus to travel down to London um, and it was devastating it was just such an innocuous thing I've gone up for a header um, and Lamana Loa Loa he, he's gone I thought he's going to come up and try and head me but he's not he's sort of ducked and I've just gone right over him and come down and landed on my ankle and and just went over and as soon as I'd done. I'd landed. I knew that was it. I weren't playing in that game. I was. I was devastated. Um, and as you say, to watch the the way we played in the 
the end of the season, the semi-finals, you know, myself, Tomin, Stephen Dobby and, and Matty Phillips as a four, we were flying, we were we were so in key and, you know, we, we, we were ready to go and take that playoff final by storm and, you know, a lot of the players, a lot of the Blackpool fans and myself included think that if I was playing that would have been a totally different game but, you know, things happen for reasons and stuff and unfortunately it wasn't to be. It's fair to say that you landed on your feet in terms of the next club that you joined. Uh, you were part of a, a ridiculously good Leicester side that won the championship with 102 points. Some of the names that you were competing with for minutes, uh, Jamie Vardy, Kevin Phillips, David Nugent, Chris Wood, Riyad Mahrez, Anthony Knockart. Uh, what an amazing side to join. What was the difference uh, between the two clubs, having been at Blackpool for, for a fair old time at that stage and joining Leicester under Nigel Pearson at that time? Uh, it was probably the ambition of the owners. You know, you look at what them owners have done for Leicester City and not, well, not just Leicester City, the whole of Leicester. You know, obviously, you know, rest, rest in peace, Vishai the boss, but, you know, what they've done and, and the way they've done it has been unbelievable and um, the one thing for me going at that time was obviously I was I think I was thirty three maybe um, when I signed for Leicester. There was a lot of achievements for this Leicester side. Let's be clear, but I want to ask you a, maybe a slightly different question, uh, and that is everyone thinks they've got an eye for a footballer, non players, fans uh, certainly, but for someone who's played uh, in all five tiers, I dare say you've probably got a, a, a better eye than, than most, a better eye than some. So my question is, did you see Jamie Vardy when you played with him for Leicester, representing England at major tournaments, winning Premier League Player of the Year? Did you see Riyad Mahrez being a £60 million player, playing under Pep Guardiola at Man City? Uh, with the, the one thing with Vards is obviously I'd known him from, from at Fleetwood because obviously Blackpool Fleetwood quite close I played against them before and in that game I just remember the energy levels and the desire he had um, you know he, he was we, we were obviously the better team but he was a thorn in the side he was closing down the energy he showed and at Leicester he was probably the, the, the one player that I connected with most and uh, we got on really well family holidays and stuff things like that our, our houses backed on to each other um, when I was renting somewhere up there so I was really close to them and I I, I knew that he he, is, he was one of them who could you know his desire to, to play and, and improve was, was unbelievable and he, I had a feeling that he'd do something special you know that when he got in the Premier League, I didn't think he'd kick on and, you know, go to the levels he's got now of going on that score and run 100 Premier League goals, you know, and I've spoke to, to the physios and stuff at Leicester when I've been there and they're saying he's fitter now than he was, you know, five years ago. Um, he, he's got all them attributes. The one thing with Riyadh is there, there was a player at Blackpool called Elliot Grandin who... He was one of the most technically gifted players I've ever seen, but his attitude stunk. He was arrogant, he wouldn't listen. And I used to say to him, I just wish I had your technical ability because if I did, I would be playing in the Premier League every week. And I said, I wish you had my willingness and desire to improve and go <laughs> on because then you would. And with Riyadh, when he first came in, it was a little bit like that. He was very... He don't technically, but probably one of the best I've I've seen or played with. Um, but he come in and he was a sulky, arrogant young kid. When he, I, I tried to help a little bit. That, as I said, that's what I tried to do. Anyone who, who who thought you know they need a little bit of advice, so I was trying to speak to him. And he was just like, "Who are you to tell me?" And I was like, "Well, I'm trying to help you get to that next level." And it was probably about the first six months he didn't really play. And part of this was part of the problem that he wouldn't listen, he wouldn't adapt, he wouldn't take on that it was, you know, it was a team thing. You had to, to play as a team and, and work. And it was probably just after Christmas, I remember that we were training one day and and that and I just lost it with him. He 
just it was just something so simple that I think I think we were both we were two on one, and I would have had a tap in, um, and he's not passed it to me and tried to take someone on, got tackled, and they've gone up and scored, and I just lost it with them, just going at him, and I was like, you could you could be this, you could do that. And it was only after training that he's he's come to me and he's apologised and he started asking me, why do you think I could do this? And I just said, it's the same. I wish you had my willingness and desire to go and improve yourself and do that. Um, All the managers always tell you, the coaches tell you how good you can be, but you don't listen. You know, you think you're you're a maverick. He said, if you can get that team ethic side into you, you you could go, I actually said to him, you could go and play for Barcelona. You know, I said, that's how good you could be. And after that, he was asking the coach. He, he just seems to, might not have been that that gave him the, the, the thing, but he just seemed to go on to that, right, I'm going to learn, I'm going to listen. And, and he went to the next level and beyond after that. And as you say, technically, he, he's unbelievable. Two-footed, glides, he, he was he was superb. You, you came off the bench for the opening game of Leicester's Premier League campaign at Stamford Bridge, but ended up going out on loan for most of that season to the Championship and then moved to Tranmere the season after in the National League. What were your emotions watching your old teammates, your old club, then going on this journey to, to be crowned Premier League champions, watching on, I guess, you know, still in touch with your mates, still watching all the games? How did you feel watching it all? Um, it was a bit. Of this, the second season was a bit of a surreal one because the season before, I I I, I was brought in as an experienced head to help them. Um, although I made twenty one appearances, I think the total minutes only added up to something like six full games. Um, but he put me on on in the games when they, when it was close when they were either one nil down or one nil up. And it seemed to be right, go on and shore up the game or go on and change the game. And in them total minutes, I had a goal or assist, I think it was every 60 minutes. I think I scored three and had 10 assists um, in them six minutes, in them six games that I actually played, if you added the minutes up. But he just wouldn't seem to play me and give me a chance to go and have a run. Um, Most of it was from the bench. So going into the second season... I knew that I wouldn't be involved as much. Uh, but that summer, it was probably one of the first time. Well, one of the main things that Nigel Pearson, the only downfall was my luck. Because you always used to say to me, you don't look like a footballer. He said, but everything else you are. And I don't think he could get that physical my physical appearance of how my body was built out of his head because in all the training and all the, the everything I was always top of the run and top of the fitness um, but because I didn't look like a footballer he was like there was something against that uh, that summer was probably one of the first times where getting old getting older I thought right well if that's what he's thinking I need to change my body shape and I went on a proper fitness regime lost shredded the, the fat but I felt I didn't feel right um, and it still didn't work so for me you know that was that was one of the main things but seeing them go on and do what they did was was unbelievable you know as I say for Vards for, for for all them players to get Premier League winners and it's a bit of a similar story to Blackpool that's it was it wasn't far off the team that stayed up by winning something like seven of the last 10 games the season before who you know just about stayed up from getting relegated to go on and win the league the next year so I think part of that was the spirit of the squad of of what was took on Were you in touch with the lads whilst it was all going on were you texting Vard's your old mate saying you couldn't believe what you were watching yeah, well, you know, when I, when we could, we we were still going down the games. We were we were going and staying with Vards every couple of weeks, and we we were going on holiday with them to centre parks and stuff, things like that. And you know, the the the, the, the contacts still there now. So you know, we were absolutely made up for them, and um, you know, unbelievable. But the, for him to go on and represent England, win the Premier League, and 
you know, he's not quite at 100 goals yet. If the season would have carried on, he'd be over 100 now. But, you know, he's definitely going to do that. And for him to come from Stockbridge Steelers to, to 100 goals in the Premier League is another unbelievable achievement and career. So, you know, he's a, a close friend who I absolutely made up for. A final question. Um, you, you ended your career uh, at Accrington Stanley for a very brief period. Um, but your first game for Accrington saw you coming off the bench in a 2-1 win over Blackpool, your old club, in League Two. Given you're at the club for, for six years and you know it looks like the difficult times at Blackpool, Touchwood are now over. But was it tough for you to come up against you know, a, a club that you'd worked so hard to help get into the Premier League and at the top end of the Championship to come on and see them at that low ebb? It, it it was it was tough. Part of the the toughest bit was obviously leaving, but it it wasn't through choice. It was sort of through um, the board, the 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 manager Paul Ince at the time, sort of trying to take advantage of the players who'd been there for long, trying to use the the willingness that we had to stay at the club and offer us less money and a, a massive wage cut. But I'd had a year at Tranmere in between Leicester and, and going to Accrington and. As you say, that first me, me league debut against against the uh, Blackpool again, you know, one nil down. John Coleman's put me on, and one of the main things from that day is, you know, as you say, the the good times had gone at Blackpool. Uh, the fans weren't going, but that day, the away end, the Blackpool fans, even before I'd got on, the only song they sung and the only player they chanted for was me, and I was playing for the opposite Amazing. team. <laughs> so literally, when I've gone on the pitch, the Blackpool fans got even louder for me, and we were one nil down. I've set up both goals. Uh, we've won two one. Don't tell me they cheered the goals. They, 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 every time I got the ball, they were cheering, and all the Blackpool players, obviously, some of them were like, "Who, who's, why are they cheering you?" And I was like, "Well, when you're a legend, you know, at a club like Blackpool, you know, the, the fans don't forget, and I don't forget the fans, and you know, it was an unbelievable day." Well, Gary, speaking for me and Ali, we've absolutely loved chatting to you today, loved hearing your stories of what was a brilliant, brilliant career. And I think anybody who's enjoyed hearing about your time at Blackpool should, as Ali say, go back and watch the highlights because that was some teams playing some brilliant, brilliant football. So thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us. No problem. Thanks a lot. Enjoyed it. Just a reminder to the listeners, presumably having enjoyed this episode, uh, you'll be interested to hear uh, some of the previous episodes in this series, six to choose from. Just head to the same podcast feed that you are listening to this episode on and make sure you're subscribed to The Athletic for all the best football coverage, US sports as well. You can give it a month's trial to try before you buy if you head to theathletic.co.uk forward slash EFL pod. We'll be back again next week and we hope that you will join us then so please make sure you're subscribed and go well for the rest of the week.